Hey guys, it's Clayton from 316 Creative Works. Hey, listen, if you know me, you know that 316 Creative Works exists to partner with artists, businesses, and churches. Uh, one of my good friends is a business guy. It's the Maynard family, and they run a business, and now they're in partnership with us. So that's Precision Door Service. Listen, in case of emergency, I always call Precision Door Service. They are experts in repairing, replacing all your garage doors and overhead doors. They can be reached. They got two numbers. The Indiana side is area code 219-306-8155. Again, 219-306-8155. Now, on the Illinois side, uh, Precision Door Service can be uh, contacted at area code 708-474-6657. And number again is 708-474-6657. You can always get them at precisiongarage-door.com. That's precisiongarage-door.com. Of course, we'll probably have Justin throw a contact card up there for you so you guys can see it if you're watching this. Again, this is Clayton from 316 Creative Works introducing you to another member of the family, the business of precision door service. Thanks, guys. Thanks for checking us out. Thanks. Come on in. We're saving you a seat at the table. Hey everyone, thanks for checking out another 316 podcast. I'm Clayton from 316 Creative Works. We always want to thank our favorite people in the whole entire world. Uh, we always want to start with Larry and Sandy. Thanks for making all things possible. Uh, creative producer is Esther, technical producer is Justin and of course our house manager is Danielle. Guys, I'm super excited today. Uh, today we are saving you a seat at the table and today we have at the table, uh, honestly, two of my best friends who, oddly enough, has never met each other. Two friends from two different corners of the world, two I very like different to stories, uh, uh, two separate sides of, of my life. Um, I'm going to start uh, to my left, uh, probably have known her for 25 years. Uh, this is Kelly. Uh, we're saving her a seat at the table. Uh, very dear friend, 25 years or, or so. Uh, a lot of laughs, a lot of tears. Uh, a lot of work in theater and church theater and ministry work. One of my oldest and dearest friends, Kelly Price. And then to my right is literally my oldest friend uh, and very dearest. Uh, he is from a very different part of my world. Uh, met him through uh, work, right? My day job as mm -hmm. as a uh, certified payment professional, uh, and this is Greg Hit. So thanks, guys, for coming and uh, and sitting at the table. We like to laugh a lot. Um, Kelly and I, for the last twenty five years, have laughed an awful lot. Uh, Greg and I. Uh, <laughs> you know, just saying his name makes me laugh. Not not at you, but with you. Uh, certainly some of the funniest people that I know, and it's such an honor to uh, always hang out with you guys and uh, talk and learn and laugh. Through the years, there's been a lot of laughter. 
through the years, there has been some tears. And that's one of the things that we wanted to talk about today. So, so we, might, we might be a little funny today. We might try and, and find some levity. But the, the topic, the relationship, really is kind of a, a heavy one and one that, that needs, we, needs to, we need to hear, we need to listen carefully. So the topic today of A Seat at the Table is mental and emotional health. One of the reasons why that's so important, especially today, as we're, we're hopefully trying to uh, emerge out of the, the COVID pandemic shutdown, is maybe a national crisis, certainly a personal crisis of mental and emotional health. Um, these are things that people have been studying for years, and I have a history of it in my family. Uh, Greg has a history of it personally. Kelly has a history of it uh, personally. So. I think we wanted to uh, have a very open and honest and authentic conversation about what it is, about what it isn't, how we can help have honest conversations to to uh, destigmatize it and to no longer uh, demonize what it actually is. So let's let's start with this, Greg. When I say mental or emotional health, what comes to your mind? Mm, the ways of being during the day, the night, the week, the months of how I feel about myself. So when you hear it, you personalize it. So when you hear mental and emotional health, you think me. I've got a thing. Well, I will back up. Uh, for many years, yes, it was all about me. Mm-hmm. And then I realized, and thankfully I realized later on and not too long ago that it's not about me. And that helped tremendously. So. Kelly, when I say mental, emotional health, what comes to your mind first? I think about maybe the traditional institutions and methods of treatment that were available to people in the past. Um, I think... Um, having been told even that some of my struggles maybe were psychosomatic or made up in my head, that kind of thing. Um, It's just a tough thing to grapple with, but it's a very real, very present struggle. Now, it seems to me one of the hardest things about mental and emotional health is it's something not quantitative, right? So if you have cancer, there is evidence of cancer, right? There's a physical manifestation. There's a lump here. There's blood work. There's things. But both of you have wrestled in your own stories with mental or emotional health one way or the other. Um, But nobody took a scan of your body. Right? Nobody took an image of your brain or took blood tests to get those. So, Kelly, what, what has been some of the journey for you to actually have been identified as somebody who has, uh, and I don't even know what you would call it, somebody that has a, a mental or emotional health breakdown? Well, I, I guess just looking at my history, my husband says I should make a PowerPoint presentation before I go to like a doctor's appointment because... There's just so much to unpack. When you mean history, you mean like behavioral history, yeah. not uh, epile- epileptic seizures. Or right. It's behavioral history. Right. right. Okay, go ahead. Exactly. Um, and I struggled, you know, with alcohol 
early on in um, my 20s, and then I struggled um, with depression and eating, and it's been, it's been a constant in my life. Um, and I, I guess when I think about my history of it, it's, it's hard because I, like you said, it's not quantitative, so I can't prove to anybody else what I'm experiencing. And that's the, the piece that I struggle with the most, that I, the way it looks to the outsider, to someone that's not experiencing it, um, is very, very different from how it is to be the one experiencing it. Uh, Greg, what kind of tests do they run on you? What kind of scans and x-rays do they take for you? Absolutely none. Uh-huh. Um, again, this goes back to some periods in my life when uh, I went way down the wrong paths and made some mistakes and uh, ended up not liking myself very much at all. And I spent many years not feeling worthy or um, again, beating myself up, hiding, uh, living in a bubble, not being me. Uh, that happened just recently. I didn't want to be around some people because I wasn't feeling well uh, physically. But that to me comes off as not being me and the people who know me um, know that I'm up funny, happy, giddy most of the time. But what they don't know is that sometimes I'm actually hiding or having a game face on for them. Uh, But that has become less and less. Um, I realize it, I recognize it, but for many, many years, 25 or so, um, I was unable to put that game face on, so I just hid. I stayed away. So I don't know if that answers your question or not, but... Uh, you you have been diagnosed with a mental or emotional mm-hmm. disorder or bipolar too. Okay, um, so so what what is that? I mean, is it is it a disease disorder? You know, I'm not an expert. Um, I did not study it when I found out that I had it. I do know, I do know some people in my life that have that are bipolar one, and they are absolutely potentially just be all over the place, uh, whacked out. You don't even recognize them. They're uh, portraying some unusual person in a movie. Um, and then the next 15 minutes later, they're just like you and I and Kelly right now, just as peaceful and pleasant and normal as can be. But it's real. I don't really understand it. I don't. I don't relate it to my past. All I know is a doctor told me I had bipolar two. Did I study it? Do I worry about it? Do I analyze it? Absolutely not. I don't even want to. I have Googled it. Yes, but as you know, you could read forever on Google, and I chose not to. Um, I died. You know, I chose to go down a different path in my life, and that's, uh, you know. Uh, 
I am who I am. I, I learned to like myself again for a lot of reasons, and that's where I'm going to stay. So Do you the best I can. So you actually have been diagnosed clinically Absolutely. with bipolar two, yes, sir. and also depression. Yes, sir. Okay. Kelly, do you have anything that has been actually diagnosed? Yes, I have. um, I was diagnosed with bipolar 2 as well. Um, And I've been, I've had stays in treatment for that. Um, up Up until, you know, last summer, even having that, like a full mental breakdown and telling my husband, like, I think I'm going crazy. I feel like I'm losing my mind. Like I knew cognizantly what I was feeling was not reality, but, um, I couldn't, I couldn't stop the racing heartbeat, the pulse, the high intensity reaction, the physiological reactions that I was having from that. Um, and I, so I have a history of panic attacks, um, depression, debilitating, like you said. Um, sometimes it's just a struggle to put one foot in front of the other and get out of bed in the morning. Um, and that sounds I don't want it to sound like I'm privileged or woe is me or you know I I think that's where the struggle really comes for me is wrestling with the fact that this is a real thing that I struggle with and it's a health issue just like if you had the flu and you were sick in bed and you were struggling with that um but it's not viewed the same way necessarily by everybody else um, so yeah, I have a history of, of depression, um, been diagnosed. I'm actually on medication to kind of regulate some of that. And so you're, you take med- medication to help, uh, sort through some of your depression and your bipolar too. Mm-hmm. I was just saying a second. Do you, do you take meds for any of these? I do. Um, but I take a tremendous amount less than I did 10 or 15 years ago. Yeah. I, I've weaned myself off of quite a few of them with doctor's help. Of yeah, course. and you, but you also you also have other health issues. You have cancer, mm-hmm. right? So you take some of those meds and different things. And so there's got to be some sort of a, in, in interaction. So here's what I'm getting here is medicines you take help or hurt. And they also have different interactions with different medications that help or hurt. Well, and I think that's one of the tricky things about the mental health struggle is it is it's not an exact science so when you're prescribed something to deal with whatever emotion you're feeling they'll put you on it and it may take two weeks for your body to stabilize and get that into your system and kind of um see what the effects of that are going to be and then does it work? Doesn't it work? Mm-hmm. Does it cause a terrible side effect? Um, what I was referencing earlier was I had a paranoid delusion when I was on vacation with my family that my husband was out to get us. And I called my dad, like, you have to come come pick me up. Come pick me and the boys up. Michael's out to get me. Like, that, 
Where does that come from? Uh, any delusional? No, but uh, related to the medicine. Uh, Lord, I've tried everything that starts with an A all the way to a Z. Um, and yes, you have to take it a certain period of time for your body to get to get adjusted mentally and physically. And then, the, but, but to me personally, the question becomes: Is it working? Is it not working? Did I feel? Is it? Did I feel good yesterday because I took that medicine? Why do I feel so bad today? But so, for me, um, over the last couple of years, with help of very trusted and very loved doctors in my family, uh, for me personally, um, I don't take any more uh, mental health medicine because I, I realized also on a whole different note that it wasn't about the medicine, for me personally, that I could go out and if I chose to go out and just show up in the universe and show up in the world as me and be around people that love me or that don't know me, totally strangers, check out people at the Walmart or Kroger's um, having a short conversation, um, realizing that I can impact somebody else's day just by me being friendly and kind and with a smile. It made me feel better about myself. So I, uh, the medicine thing didn't work for me. Did I take it and did I follow their orders? Um, but to me, I also found out that most doctors that I dealt with, they love you and they, they care and they want you to be better. Um, but I think they're guessing as well. You know, they're looking at charts and graphs based on history and tests that you should probably have this. Well, they don't know what rabbit hole you've been down. They don't know what caused you to be so deep in the rabbit hole. So anyway, for me personally, I don't, I, I you know, I don't understand. I, it, it's, uh, I'm very thankful, but mental and emotional health outside of my own behavioral sins, right? My own mistakes and stuff outside of that. I think the chemicals are firing right in my brain. Um, but I always found it very strange when I have heard about mental or emotional health pills, one of the, <laughs> one of the side effects of mental and emotional health pills is may cause depression and suicide. Suicidal what the hell are we doing? How is that exactly. a thing? Exactly. Right? It's, it's like saying, um, hey, you have cancer, take this chemo. One of the side effects is it may cause cancer. What? Well, I think, you know, there are, oh, there are so many medications, so many dosages. Um, and again, I think they're making assumptions uh, based on them being a doctor and their, their experience and their knowledge. But in reality... It's a chemical substance mm -hmm. that some body yeah. studied for 10 years and decided that if you take this, that it's going to make you a certain way. Well, if I take the same thing and we have basically the same issues, we could be two different. It could affect us in such different ways. And So, these, so I stopped. It, I just chose to Because stop. you feel weird on them. And, and really, you are, you are taking chemicals in, in hopes to change the chemical makeup, right? So have, have, have these pills or these medications had an adverse reaction to your disease or disorder? Um, apart from what I described, that, that instance of paranoid delusion, when I... Schizophrenic I, almost yeah, for a season, right? Absolutely. You were in delusion for a period of time. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I don't 
I know that when I'm on them, I feel steady. When I'm taking them regularly, and when I'm taking my medications, when I'm eating regularly, I feel steady. And that's the only way I can describe it. Otherwise, it's it's the high peaks and the low lows. Mm-hmm. Um, is it lethal? Can it kill you? Absolutely. Yes. It almost did. Uh, how does it kill you? I... After struggling for decades with it, really, you know, um, probably through my teens and early 20s and having young children and struggling with depression and not really finding the solutions, the answers that worked for me, um, it, it tends to get overwhelming. And it becomes very, I became very self-focused to the point that I, I couldn't see what benefit I had in staying around to contribute, you know, to my, that this drain, this constant energy drain taking care of me or what's going to fall off next or what's Kelly up to now or, you know, that that constant when's the other shoe going to drop um, for friends, for family, like I'd, I'd almost outrun the extent of their care their and love grace and right. love. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so... Um, as a as a consequence of that this past summer i really and again it's a hard thing to to describe um but when you hear a voice in your head and that voice sounds a lot like you and it tells you that those around you would be better off without you you believe it because it's your voice so suicide then or self-harm is the thing that is terminal about this disease right Um, have you thought about that have you ever been self-harm, suicidal, the world's better without me? I can honestly say um, no. Uh, uh, did it, has it crossed my mind? Did it go through my brain? Yes, but the end result was how could I possibly do that to my daughter or my son or my grandchildren or my mother or my father or my friends? It sounds like such a selfish way out, and I think a lot of the world views it that way. Um, But when you're wrapped up in the midst of it and you don't see any glimmer of it changing, 
So you you have had ideas of self-harm or suicide tendencies. Mm-hmm. Have you... I've made attempts. You've made attempts. Um, how many times? I think three in total. Three in total. Mm-hmm. This sounds like such a weird thing, but it's not something I wrestle with. Have, have you gotten close? Last summer, um, yeah. I was um, I was wrestling with alcohol again, um, and it was one of those things that I I thought I had put behind me, and it kind of came raging back. And um, instead of using the tools that I had in place or the people around me leaning leaning into the community of my support system, um, the shame that comes with that of letting people down, of having made the same mistake, not just a mistake, but the same mistake again, comes back to haunt you. And you really start to question how many chances do I I get at this? The second time that it comes back, it hurts twice as bad. And then the third, if there is a third or fourth, it's... It's uh, it's so debilitating that, that nobody could possibly understand. In your mind, nobody could possibly understand. But we do know that there are, are people that understand and love you very much and all of us sure. in our lives. Well, it has to be one of the things. You know, as an alcoholic, I remember going to rehab and, and realizing that I wasn't a monster. I wasn't alone. There were other people that have done this, that have been through this, other people that are going through it. And so that uh, made me less of a monster. And so just to know, and, and we know that we know that there are other people going through this, but just to be able to sit down and talk with people who can share experiences, share ideas, must make you feel less of a monster. Yes. Fabulous. On that, we're going to stop right here. Hey, guys, this was only episode one of A Seat at the Table with Kelly and Greg. Uh, we're going to come right back in just a couple minutes, but you'll probably check it out next week. Uh, thanks for coming with us on a seat at the table, a 316 podcast. I am Clayton from 316 Creative Works. Hey, this is Clayton from 316 Creative Works talking about our podcast. Listen, if you like any of this stuff that you saw or you heard, I'm going to give you a couple places where you might find it besides coming in live to the farmhouse studios. There's a couple platforms you can find these on. Um, so you can check out Facebook, YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iTunes, and SoundCloud. So for the cheap seats in the back there, let me say this one more time. You can go to Facebook, YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iTunes, and SoundCloud. You can find it under 316 Podcasts.